CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join our discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag security. Today's topic is combating retail security challenges, and our uh, guests for today's show are Dina Amato-McCoy, who's the research analyst of retail and consumer markets with the Aberdeen Group. Good morning, Dina. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you uh, on the show. Hope you will have a lot of fun here. And also, we have Dr. Richard Hollinger, who is a professor uh, at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And he's also the chair and a tenured faculty member of the Department of Sociology and Criminology and Law. And uh, Richard is also the director of Security Research Project, an academic research institute that focuses exclusively on retail loss prevention and security issues. Uh, Good morning, Richard. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, Great to have you, too. Now, this is a second of the three shows as part of Cybersecurity Month, and today we decided to look at an industry that faces unique security challenges, both with the informational security, brick-and-mortar security, and the tricky cross-section between the two. Uh, So we'd like to look at how we can help the CISOs and the CSOs tackle some of the more pressing issues facing their industry today, as well as for, and it is also going to be a useful conversation for the business counterpart. That said, uh, Dina, to be a successful uh, retail outlet, we have to, of course, provide a very good shopping experience. We should have the things that they want at any given time, and we want them to be uh, coming into a store, whether online or, or uh, a brick-and-mortar store, uh, experience a few things, and finally walk away with a, a number of things that they wanted to buy, as well as many other things they did not think they will buy, but the, the overall bill size increases. So with, with that being the experience uh, that we want to create as a business, and we are profit, all all retails are profit-making organizations, what does it create as a security threat or or a challenge? Sure. I mean, you know, things can go wrong at any time, obviously. Um, You know, so threats are around every corner. And and it can happen across a number of areas as well. So, you know, it could be an issue that happens at store level, you know, and it could be one that's either due to internal or external culprits. And they could be intentional or unintentional. Um, you know, there are also threats that happen throughout the supply chain as product moves between supplier partners in the store's back door. Um, you know, other threats that we're seeing, which are, which are more, more publicized ones, are the cyber threats, right? Um, you know, these are the ones that really impact network security, and they can impact sensitive corporate information or uh, sensitive customer information. Um, but really, you know, when it comes to the best defense, to warding off any and all of these issues is really kind of having um, visibility into all entry points for loss, whether they're physical or virtual, internal or external. And I mean, I know that's you know a pretty lofty idea, but um, you know, as we talk a little bit more this hour, you know, we can talk a little bit about some of the things that retailers can do. And I'm sure Richard has some insight as well. So, Richard, do you think we can really dream for total elimination of such issues, or we can at most try to minimize them? Well, I think uh, in many ways retail provides a, a dilemma because on the one hand, they 
the retailers want to make the shopping experience as easy, as rapid as possible, um, and as expeditious for the customer to get in and out, get their product and, and charge it. On the other hand, we're trying to provide security, and oftentimes that requires uh, you know, vetting the, the card, vetting the customer, uh, checking to make sure that there is proper security. All that takes time, and, and so what you really are playing against is, is the speed of the, of the transaction versus time to do, uh, to do the checking. And uh, unfortunately, in, I've found over the years of studying retail security, uh, oftentimes the speediest and the most expeditious uh, solution usually wins out uh, over the one perhaps that is the most security, security conscious. Um, and oftentimes uh, the industry pays for that or learns from it for, uh, from various uh, experiences. Best example of that might be the TJX uh, fiasco where uh, the industry, uh, that particular company, uh, did not use encryption devices uh, that were very secure on many of their stores, and so register transactions could be easily grabbed out of the air, um, and it provided one of the largest uh, compromises of, of uh, uh, individual identities and, and charge card numbers that we've ever seen. Now, with, with all of these challenges that we talk about, and we did say that we want to get this uh, retail environment secure, at the same time want to be the most, uh, get the most competitive advantage out of it. So where do we, do we draw the line, or do you think you have to literally fight for your case, or a CISO or a CSO has to fight for their case to say, allow me to at least secure the fort before you try the next improvisation and or next innovation in bringing more people into the store and have them buy the most? Dina. Well, I think, you know, I think gone are the days of saying, um, you know, we're going to put this solution out and, and see if it sticks. Um, at this stage of the game, you know, the LP team, you know, CIO, CISO, everyone needs to be at the table at the time of planning, not at the time of rolling out an implementation. You've got to have a cross-functional team across all lines of business, and absolutely security needs to be at that table during the planning stages so that you can weigh out, this is the technology solution that we want to roll out, and here's what we want it to do, and here's what we're looking to accomplish. And then, you know, LP can kind of step in and say, okay, have you considered what impact this is going to have on your returns? What kind of impact is this going to have on um, removal of EAS tags? Um, you know, case in point, mobile point of sale. Um, you know, you're, you're taking that terminal out of the front of the store and you're putting it in the store aisle, or in some cases you're putting it into a customer or an employee's hand. Um, you know, what are you going to do about those EAS tags? What are you going to do about receipts? What are you going to do about bagging? There are things that maybe, you know, the IT team or the marketing team, um, you know, even the manager, the store managers may not have considered right away just because point of sale in the hands of the shopper or the employee is a cool thing. You need to have that big picture and figure out what those implementations could be so that you're not chasing bigger problems later. You want to kind of cut them off at the path before they turn into a potential problem. Richard, what do you think? I mean, this is a great point, uh, Dina. Now, Richard, what do you think is so, you know, difficult and are so risky about doing anything in a mobile world? Because you're giving control to the consumer, but I'm sure anyone who's going to put that in, they're going to put safeguards in place. So what are we missing? Well, I think uh, the, the largest issue is, is self-checkout, where customers are actually, you know, checking themselves out using their own mobile devices 
Um, and, and I guess uh, when people do that, you know, they have to provide proof of purchase. Um, I've talked to security directors who have tried this in the store, and in a normal retail transaction, you have a paper receipt, uh, which provides proof at the door when you leave with the item that says, look, I've purchased this here, I can prove this. Um, with a mobile POS, the receipt is mailed to, emailed to the customer, and they may have a picture of the receipt uh, on their mobile devices, but I've heard you know, horror stories where people just sort of hold their mobile device up in the air as they walk out with the item, and there's really no receipt there. Loss prevention, overwhelmed perhaps during the holiday season, sees the mobile device in the air, assumes that there's a receipt there, that a transaction has actually taken place, and they walk out the door with the item. Um, I mean, it's even gotten to the point where I've heard uh, in certain test stores um, using iPads and various devices uh, that that store personnel are carrying around the store to improve the mobile POS experience. At the end of the day, uh, we have half the number of iPads that we started the day with. So uh, the iPads are disappearing or, or the, the mobile devices are disappearing. Uh, and those are obviously either being stolen by the customers or they're being stolen by the uh, uh, the uh, employees, but nevertheless, at, in, at the end of the day, that, that eats into the profit. Uh, and and if, in this, God forbid, if there's if there's memory on that particular device, if it's not just a transaction device, but there's actually storage of memory, uh, then when those devices leave, there's the possibility that that information could be stored on those devices and then downloaded later. Uh, so it, it it raises a whole set of new challenges. Now, these all these challenges, uh, Richard, you mentioned. Now, Dina, coming to you, since you are in the analyst community and you're supposed to be anyways going out and talking to people about challenges and pose these tough questions, what answers or what solutions have been put in place so that it is not just we are playing with fear or we are selling fear, we actually have a solution in place before we jump on, on this uh, bandwagon? Well, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the whole self-checkout game, um, you know, there's no silver bullet, plain and simple. There, there really isn't. Um, you know, one thing that they can do is obviously, you know, I've actually spoken with, um, you know, some of, the, some of the guys and gals that work at the Apple store. Um, you know, I've kind of said to them, in case, you know, speaking to Richard's point, you know, you're walking around with an eye touch. You know, it's, it's a fun technology. What, you know, what's to keep you from taking it home? And pretty much it, it's sort of like a dumb terminal. Like he said, you know, in this particular store, and this was a while ago, I don't know if things have changed, he said, you know, once you get X amount of feet outside of the store, it doesn't work. You know, can it be reprogrammed? I'm sure it can, but I guess it's, it's dumbed down enough that it's just a piece of plastic and metal once you leave the store. Are there savvy people out there that can make it work? I'm sure there can. But, you know, you've got to kind of have some, safe, some kind of safety guard in place. Um, you know, or, you know, the other thing is, the whole bring your own device. Maybe that's a way to kind of get around it because you've got the consumer using their own device. Of course, then you're dealing with the other aspect of, you know, now you've got information flowing over a network and it's sensitive information and how are you going to keep that customer information protected? Um, you know, it's kind of a catch-22. Like I said, I don't think there's a silver bullet there, but I think that there is progress being made in that retailers are asking the right questions and trying to take the right precautions to avoid these types of issues, 
Um, you know, and, you know, Richard brings up a great point. You know, if, if you're doing, you know, a mobile POS and you've got these, these great iPads and, and you started out with 10 in the beginning of the day and at the end of the week you've got five, then, you know, something, there needs to be a safety guard in place. So, Richard, I know mobile is something new and mobility is something everybody wants to embrace and that's why it is in the forefront. Mm-hmm. There must be some chronic challenges that retail by very design of its workflow and its business must be facing. Have we uh, actually handled those and have put them to bed? And now we are putting all our uh, thinking cap, we are putting our thinking caps on and just focusing on mobile, or there are some other issues that you feel are going to get compounded just because there is new innovation besides mobile. But before we actually get into it, let's take a quick break. Listeners, we'll be right back. And Richard, let's continue the thoughts. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. Wait, is that your pager? There's nostalgic, and then there's completely irrelevant, like having a hardware-heavy business phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use Ring Central, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations in minutes and manage the entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that 20th century phone system out of your 21st century business. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The switchboards and Rolodexes are gone, and so is the need for a hardware-heavy phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use Ring Central, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations with voice, text, conferencing, even Salesforce integration, and manage your entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that ancient phone system out of your modern office and off your bottom line. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Richard, we have been talking about mobility. In fact, just like just as we started the show, the first thing came to mind is mobility. Yes, it's new, but there must be some challenges which we have still not yet solved. So should we just go on to a brand new challenge, which allows perhaps a way to get more funding? Or we should also look holistically about where all the challenges could exist, whether mobile or not? Well, you know, I've personally heard, um, you know, some loss prevention directors, you know, have some hesitation, and, and many of these companies are actually doing tests, and, and, and that's really what they need to do is to test these technologies in small scale, 
operations to see if they actually work and, and whether or not uh, the tail is, is wagging the dog. Uh, the technology wagging, you know, this, this uh, new uh, change to, to retailing. Uh, you know, there are many retailers who, who and, and I think uh, many customers would, would appreciate this, that uh, still believe that retail is an interactive personal experience, that it is not just a technological transaction that is ones and zeros. Uh, and, and many people feel that there ought to be a, a personal relationship between the salesperson uh, and, the, and, the, uh, and the customer. And, and so uh, in many ways, this sort of eliminates that, takes that out of the picture. Um, driving this, I think, is first of all trying the effort to save money and also the fact that the customers are carrying around these very, very powerful uh, devices that can be used and, and put to use for, for transactions. And with a holiday season coming up, you know, uh, one of the things that retailers, you know, you know, really avoid, try to avoid the most are long lines. Uh, they, re they really are, uh, and, and, they, and on the other hand, they, they don't want to hire lots of people who are standing around doing nothing during certain hours of the day. Uh, this sort of solves that problem. It allows the customer to come in make their selection, do their own transaction, leave the store. Um, it allows salespersons to jump in line into a long line and uh, uh, check people out at a much rapid, more rapid rate uh, than they would if they had to wait for that one or two registers to clear. Uh, so it has, you know, some real advantages. But uh, if, if you still believe that retail is a personal interaction between uh, a salesperson and a customer, uh, then this is not for you. And so in many ways, uh, there are still the old schools that uh, are a little concerned about where this is leading retail. So um, now with respect to uh, the overall challenges that we're talking about. So Dina, if you were to put say, to the top three things which are in the minds of the business leaders with respect to risk, how are they compared to the type of risks that are top of the mind for the technology and or the, the security folks? That, that's, a, that's a tough one because um, I, I would like to think they're all on the same page, but they may not be. I mean, let's face it, you know, IT they're thinking, you know, how are we going to get this mobile point of sale out and how are we going to do it, like, like, you know, to Richard's point, how are we going to do it in time for the holidays so that we don't have the long lines, um, you know, while LP is looking and saying, well, yeah, we got to make sure we don't have those long lines, but we also don't want to see an increase in shrink. We don't want to see an increase in shoplifting. We don't want to see any data breaches. Um, I do think IT is more mindful of these things today. Again, um, you know, to Richard's point, as we had talked about off the air, you know, at least LP is at the table and part of the discussion. So that said, I think these are now becoming questions on the mind of IT much more than they used to be in the past and as well as marketing. Um, but, you know, security, their job is to make sure everything, whether it's the customer, the merchandise, or the network is safe and secure, where IT is making sure the technology is reliable and up. But, you know, there is a merge as well. You know, when you get into the visibility issue and you're dealing with data analytics, it touches both sides of the fence, the IT side as well as the LP side. So I think that there's a lot more collaboration today than there used to be in the past. So I would like to think that the business goal is, is kind of coming. It might be a roundabout way to get to that goal, but I think that they are starting to ask some of the same questions for a change. Well, I do think that uh, they are talking to each other, but whether they're speaking the same language, 
um, is is really the question. Uh, I've talked to loss prevention executives who have had conversations with the IT folks um, and then walked out of the room asking, "What did they just say?" Uh, in other words, you know, you know, they're they're talking oftentimes in about software. They're talking about ones and zeros. They're talking about uh, encryption. You know, it to a large extent, uh, this is not a daily conversation that a lot of uh, loss prevention executives, you know, focus on. They're they're more concerned with cameras. They're more concerned with yes tags and and uh, hiring and and. and staffing uh, stores to make sure they have honest people on board. So, you know, to, to get these two groups to talk is, is in, and in the same room is step one. To get them to actually have a meaningful conversation with each other so they understand what the risks and trade-offs are, I think, is the next step. And, and I'm not convinced we're there yet in, in all companies. Um, well, no, I, I have to agree with Richard on that. We're definitely not there um, with a comfortability level that it's mission. You know, it's definitely mission critical. We're not there yet. Um, it's baby steps. I agree with Richard, um, but I think that maybe one of the cases. And Richard, tell me what you think about this. One of one of the steps in taking those baby steps is that you know once you've got that team, you've got your C, you've got your CSO, your CISO in charge of a dedicated team that's focused on that enterprise-wide loss prevention, and their goal is to recover those lost profits. But I think the key here is this team has to be a cross-functional team. Um, I think you need representation across different lines of business. You need store operations. You need sales auditing. You need field marketing. You need inventory management and revenue. You need IT in there. Um, you know, you kind of got to have everybody on the same page so, you know, we're all trying to solve that security goal. I agree with you. I think part of the big problem is communication. I don't think we're speaking the same language, and I think that's why there's still a frustration level and that we haven't made it, um, you know, like a, a typical daily operation. And it is something that they don't focus on every single day. But I think once we can get that cross-functional team in place and understand what the bigger picture is, I think that we can probably streamline efforts a little bit better. Yeah, I agree with Dina. Uh, it's just that um, I have a bad feeling that um, that the pressures uh, to increase sales, uh, the pressures from the marketing folks, you know, to make uh, the sales numbers really, really jump, particularly during the holiday season, given the fact that they watch, uh, you know, literally 90% of their customers come in the door, you know, with a device that could be used for a sales transaction, and then are frustrated by the fact that maybe uh, their store isn't at that level where, where all those transaction devices can be used at the same time. And so my worry is that we're not doing baby steps. We're doing giant leaps that we may wish uh, we hadn't done and then leap back after there's some kind of uh, public relations catastrophe. Uh, and it won't take many of those to, uh, for this to, you know, really backfire. You see, Richard, um, you know, one thing that I see, you know, you've got, you, you've got your retailers, your, your Ann Taylors, your J.C. Pennies, um, you know, even, um, you know, I think Justice even has made some really good efforts in, in these cases and, and really trying to take steps, as we said, you know, year-round so that when that critical holiday season comes, we're not playing catch-up and we're not saying, well, I, you know, I just don't have time for this. I'm, I'm more worried about my numbers and my revenue. And, and you know, LP, that, that's, that's up to your team. You know, you figure it out. Um, are we seeing a shift? Uh, you know, because I'd like to say that I'm seeing, I'm seeing more from the retailers I've spoken with in our community that are making that move. And obviously, it may not be the majority, but are, are you seeing more efforts being done 
um, you know, during non-peak times of the year, or is it still kind of slow and steady from from the retailers you're speaking with? Well, the retailers I'm speaking with are, are um, you know, I think uh, I think there's two different there's groups of retailers. For example, um, in apparel, uh, you know, this makes perhaps a lot more sense. Um, but you know, in 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 stores like um, uh, home uh, center garden garden stores where you perhaps need a little bit more uh, technological um, assistance in a hardware store, for example, a Lowe's, a Home Depot. Um, you know, there they've been using um, customers' uh, checkout for, for many years, but it's been at the front end of the store, uh, and they've been, you know, putting a lot of effort to make sure that there is manpower uh, or person power at the front of the store to assist people who are having difficulties. Uh, if this takes off and customers can do their own self-checkout, um, I can just see someone, you know, going to the back of the store, you know, ringing up one DeWalt drill and carrying four out the front door. Um, and, you know, if, you know, they have a DeWalt drill receipt in their hands and nobody's checking to see how many are actually in the cart, uh, you know, this, this really could be a, a major fiasco, uh, particularly if it's not integrated with the, uh, and this is where, you know, it really kind of starts to break down is, you know, how do you disable uh, the EAS tags? Uh, my understanding is that POS, mobile POS is just for the transaction. It does, there's no device that I know of that actually can disable uh, the, the EES tags that are either uh, put on the package or actually built into the, to the, to the packaging material or actually in the product itself. And that always has to be done at the front end. Now, both of you mentioned about different techniques and tips that people are using. Now, retail, unlike other industries, should ideally not be looking at keeping their environment secure as just a cost because, in fact, it has a direct impact on reputation. If I go to a store, in-person store or on an online store, and if I see obvious issues which might compromise my credit card information or my personal security, I have, I have, I have a tendency not to go there again. So is the funding ever an issue for retail folks to be able to make the fort secure at all, uh, Richard? Well, um, you know, these, you know, what, what you're really looking at are, are sort of a public relations uh, issue. I mean, w when, when customers, you know, don't feel secure um, in their transactions, uh, you're right, they probably won't come back. Uh, and when you have uh, a fiasco uh, that gets widely publicized in the news, you know, this even, you know, aggravates it and exacerbates the problem and make it worse. Um, my wife used uh, her American Express card at a store that I won't name. Uh, within about four hours, her credit card was being used as a card, not just the number, a new card had been manufactured that was being used in the Dominican Republic. The only reason we know that is American Express called us to validate whether or not she was in two places at the same time. Uh, it's pretty amazing how fast this uh, exchange of information, and, and we're convinced uh, that at the time uh, this, this particular theft of a number took place uh, was probably due to the fact that the uh, cashier took the card from my wife, held it up in the air to look at it, right. and uh, a, a confederate, we think, took a picture of the front of that card. And as you know, an American Express card has both the number, the name, and the security code, uh, all, the four-digit security code, all on the front of the card. And, and that, num 
number was sent to the Dominican, and, and in a few minutes they had a, a new card which was able to be used. Uh, so, you know, this is, you know, we, we, the technology is, is really uh, uh, there for the stealing of a lot of information, uh, even if uh, we take out the issue of mobile POS. You know, that's, that's a sort of a side issue, uh, which is, you know, the, one of the newer technologies. There still is concern about uh, the security of, of one's uh, charge cards and, and charge information at the point of sale, regardless of whether it's mobile or, or not. Let's take a quick break, listeners, when we come back. Uh, Dina, the question here would be around omni-channel capabilities that we are trying to offer and also tout as a way to market and say that we are one of the greatest, more leading-edge retail organization. What is the dark side? What are the things which it may introduce, which is at least we have to think about and plug those holes before we roll these things out? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. The switchboards and Rolodexes are gone, and so is the need for a hardware-heavy phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations with voice, text, conferencing, even Salesforce integration. And manage your entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that ancient phone system out of your modern office and off your bottom line. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. Wait, is that your pager? There's nostalgic, and then there's completely irrelevant, like having a hardware-heavy business phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations in minutes and manage the entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that 20th century phone system out of your 21st century business. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh Dina, just about this omni-channel capabilities that we are saying we are going to offer, and that is to uh, attract the customers and also look like we are at the cutting edge and bleeding edge of innovation. What is it that people are missing? Or I would say, yes, they might have thought of, but maybe not to that degree. And they're bringing, they're building a great new house, but it has got a bunch of different foundational problems. Right. Well, you know, when we're talking about omni-channel, 
um, you know, one of, one of the keys with Omnichannel is customer engagement. And you want to really connect with the shopper no matter how he or she wants to shop with you. Um, you know, the trend, you know, is that they're going between channels. They may be doing their diligence and their research online or on their mobile device. And they're kind of coming into the store. They might want to touch it. They might want to try it on. They might want to sit on it if it's furniture. And then they make the decision, are they going to buy it in the store? Are they going to go back home and buy it on their device? Um, you know, when they're in the store, if they want more information, are they going to digital signage that they've got a touch screen or a kiosk? Um, you know, this is all, you know, kind of bringing the level of customer engagement to, it, to a whole new plateau. And you've got to be ready to integrate all of these technologies. And when you're integrating all of these technologies, you've also got to protect all of network, you know, the network platform that you're using as well. Um, you know, so what it comes down to is, you know, you really got to figure out how are we going to secure that mission critical information that's flowing across, you know, all of these digital devices. And, you know, that doesn't even bring into the case, you know, protecting the merchandise itself once you're at store level. Um, you know, the omnichannel aspect is great, you know, and it's how we as shoppers, we definitely want to shop. But it's also got to change that mindset of the retailer. It's not just, you know, having your merchandise in store and protecting it. You know, you have to also protect it from, you know, shipping from online. Is it going to, you know, a legitimate address at home? Um, you know, again, not to beat a dead horse. You know, the whole, the whole in-store mobility aspect or, or BYOD, um, you know, these are trends that, you know, are offering more of a digital presence at store level, um, you know, but it needs, you know, you've got to figure out, you know, are you going to include a proprietary system with a firewall network for use with proprietary solutions like those we see at Apple, or are we going to allow shoppers to use their own device in store aisles? And that means now we have to have, you know, secure networks, but, you know, open as well. You've got to give them wireless access. Um, you know, similarly, when you support a BYOD program, chances are you going to have an app, you know, that shoppers can access that give them access to your inventory levels, your product availability, and so on. So, you know, what re retailers really need to keep in mind is how do we keep this data secure from third-party access? You know, and it's an issue that's not just exclusive to the larger retailers either. You know, that's another thing. You know, we've got smaller companies that are trying to, com to compete and differentiate themselves. Um, you know, so I think it has to do with preparations across the board, you know, when it comes to all segments of retail, all sizes and shapes. Um, you know, but it's something that definitely has to be thought about before jumping into these customer engagement tools and, and that omnichannel strategy, especially when integration is involved, because it's a catch-22. You have to be integrated to have that omnichannel experience, but you've got to keep all of your assets protected as well. So, Richard, what about the value chain partners or supply chain partners? Because retail cannot, of course, function itself, and many times by design now in order to control costs and maintain a good quality of delivery, retail, uh, a retail outfit may just choose to do certain things, and then rest it can outsource or maybe uh, create some partnerships with uh, the, the complementary players. If you are going to provide an overall good experience, Yes, on the front end, you can do it, but behind the scenes, there could be so many places where there, we could introduce weakest links. So if you were to look at the overall retail ecosystem, where all do you think we may already have a number of weaker links existing, which we are supposed to fight? And on top of it, when we are bringing this omni-channel and many other innovations, how is that making issues any more complex? Well, I, I agree that... Uh... You know, if you look at uh, you know the old saying that you know a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, and and there are when you study these 
these situations um, in depth, as perhaps Dina and, and other companies uh, or analysts have done, they, they oftentimes find more than one weak link. Um, and so, you know, I am my expertise sort of stops at this point. I'm mainly focused on the uh, bricks and mortar stores and to some extent, you know, the uh, online experience. But um, I, you know, have heard a lot of loss prevention directors, you know, talk about, you know, all of the problems, particularly when they lose control or they have outsourced control to some other site or some other supplier. And, and it, it seems to, the problems seem to increase exponentially uh, when those sites are offshore, uh, when it leaves the United States. And, and there, um, you know, the problems uh, seem to just mount up uh, almost uh, at, at a higher level than anybody can really anticipate. So, Dina, what's your, your uh, experience, or as you must have spoken to organizations across the board, what, what is the weaker link and what's the, uh, you know, say, compounded challenges when we are using many of the outsource provider like white glove services and other things where uh, you got some third party delivering things for you in or uh, there were maybe many other flavors of that kind? Mm-hmm. No, I, and I agree with Richard 100%. You know, the, the easiest way to kind of think about it is that, you know, now retailers not only have to keep their eyes on the ball locally, they need to keep themselves ingrained in how their global supply chain works so that they can stay abreast of the merchandise movement that's happening outside of their four walls as well as what's happening across borders. I mean, globalization is, you know, obviously, if we want to compete, especially in this type of economy, you know, we want to expand our breadth as a retailer, you know, it's not just something we can do domestically anymore. We need a global presence, you know, if we want to compete. But that opens up, you know, a whole new you know, slew of challenges, um, you know, and it's a complex process, and it's one that requires analytics and, more importantly, collaboration with those supplier partners. Everyone needs to stay accountable. You know, a lot of retailers, you know, even have, you know, those supplier networks that they can collaborate on, you know, for shipments so that everybody, you know, is, is, you know, in sync of what is being ordered and what's being fulfilled and what's being shipped. Um, you know, and, and that causes other issues. Like, you know, like we said, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. You know, if you don't have, you know, accessibility, if you don't have those firewalls behind even those collaborative tools, you know, you're opening yourself up to vulnerabilities that you wouldn't have necessarily had before. But then again, you need them to do business. So, you know, these are the things that, that retailers really need to keep in mind and keep abreast of. Um, you know, you've got accountability this way. You know, everybody is looking at the same portal and if it's secured, you know, you can kind of see where those holes and gaps lie, and, you know, that way you can find your problems a little easier. You know, unfortunately, shrink is a cost of doing business. It, it, it stinks, but, you know, it, it, that's the way it is. Um, but, you know, there are steps that can be made toward, you know, reducing it and minimizing it. Getting rid of it, I don't know that we'll ever see that it'll be, a, you know, a 0% proposition, but, you know, steps definitely have to be made that you've got to safety guard your business. I mean, that's what you're there to do is, is to sell goods and make money. So you need to protect your assets the best way you can. Now, Richard, any retail, as you would agree, is a profit-making organization. And because of that, of course, they're going to try to balance risk versus uh, profitability. Now, governance and or compliance, which could be imposed by government, could be utilized to make sure that the places where there should be due emphasis given and due investment is made is indeed uh, made so that we are able to safeguard the com- consumers, mm-hmm. not necessarily only the, the retail organizations, because if it introduces risks to the citizens, 
then it is it is basically compromising the very reason why we live in this society, right? So the government, is it stepping in? Is it trying to tighten up the screws a little bit on compliance and regulations so that uh, retail outfits, while, of course, more power to them for being able to innovate, they don't jeopardize the very interest of the consumers they're getting money from? Well, that's, that's true. I mean, the government, uh, you know, could provide that service. But you know, I've, I've seen many examples where the retail industry has had um, for I, for, from what I see, uh, uh, from my perspective, a, a difficult time trying to get the government to cooperate on what I think are fairly simple issues. I, I, let me just, you know, one case in point, uh, organized retail crime, uh, which is an international problem, uh, a scope of which is in the billions of dollars per year, uh, affecting retail stores from where I live in Gainesville, Florida, uh, around the world. And uh, so merchandise is leaving. One would think uh, that state governments uh, and federal governments, particularly at the federal level, uh, that would be easy to get federal legislation to criminalize these organized retail activities. Uh, yet the retail industry has had very, very great difficulty trying to get the attention of the federal government to federalize many of these crimes because obviously many of them cross state lines. Uh, there is cooperation from many federal agencies, um, but you know we still haven't seen that, that federal legislation. So here we are back again, uh, state by state, uh, trying to combat a problem uh, that really isn't a state level problem. It's, an, it's a, 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 uh, at least a national, if not international level problem. Uh, and the government is seen to be focused on uh, other issues and doesn't have time for the retail industry, you know, which is if we're going to get out of this recession, and many people argue, we've got to revitalize the retail industry. We've got to help them become more profitable. And uh, that means lose less. And so every time I, I see you know, a congressional hearing or, or a congressional hearing canceled on organized retail crime, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah, and I have to agree with Richard. You know, I mean, even within our retail community, um, you know, when you're talking to retailers about what their top two pressures are that are facing their organization around loss prevention, um, you know, the top two are internal theft, which we know has, that hasn't changed for years, as well as identifying and investigating those organized retail crime cases. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, like we said, with the economy the way it is and, and IT budgets, which LP budgets similarly are being stretched, you know, they just don't have, they don't have the resources they need to fight back on their own. They need that outside push, that outside help. And, you know, if there were more government mandates, you know, we might be able to actually push the needle a little bit more. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're seeing a lack of resolution in many of these incidents. They're lacking the credible data they need to, you know, to forecast these events. Um, you know, and plain and simple, you know, due to budget reductions and lack of resources, you know, they just can't stay one step ahead of it. That's the problem. Let's take a quick break, listeners, when we come back. Adina, I'd like to ask this question where we, we may have been unintentionally bashing a retail organization where they may be trying to do the best, but there are some inherent issues which prevent them from being able to give that secure environment and still stay afloat. And, and really be able to you know, sustain as a profitable organization. Which ones are those? So let's look from a retail organization standpoint versus outside and let's see inside out, what are they struggling with? And any insight that you can share would be greatly appreciated. Let's stay uh, tuned listeners, we'll be right back.
The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The switchboards and Rolodexes are gone, and so is the need for a hardware-heavy phone system. These days, over 300,000 businesses use RingCentral, the cloud-based business communication solution for the way you work. Set up multiple users in multiple locations with voice, text, conferencing, even Salesforce integration. And manage your entire system on your smartphone starting at $19.99 a month per user. So get that ancient phone system out of your modern office and off your bottom line. Sign up for a free trial at RingCentral.com. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So, Dina, let's let's cut some slack for these retailers. And I'm not saying purposely, but at least discuss that. What are they facing, which is causing this to be an ongoing issue? I'm sure everybody has a good intent, at least. No, absolutely. I, again, I really think, unfortunately, the economy is not helping in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, we've got, you know, a third of retailers, you know, from our retail community alone that are, you know, saying, you know, budget reductions and a lack of resources, both human and IT related, are really, you know, causing more struggle for them as well in solving these cases and staying one step ahead. Um, but, you know, there are ways around it. Um, you know, this is definitely the era of analytics. Without analytics, there's no insight into, you know, what's going on across your enterprise. Loss is no different. Um, you know, and even more importantly, they need this insight, you know, to obviously stay one step ahead to prevent them from reoccurring. Um, you know, it's time really for retailers to make that move to real-time data. They've been using historical data for years, and that's great, but that's not going to keep them one step ahead. If they're able to use the existing tools they have, um, you know, they can keep their investments down. They've already got the cameras. They've already got, we hope, the digital recorders, um, you know, the EIS tags. Maybe they're ready to make the move to RFID and get that real-time information. Um, You know, there are a lot of options out there. Um, but, you know, there are ways to get around, you know, just using what they already have and just kind of upping the ante on the analytics side. And, you know, technology is definitely the first step. They just really need to evaluate how to apply the technology that they have, maybe what they would like to have, to get the best information for them and make much business decisions. I think that's got a lot to do with it. 
So Richard, what is your uh, thought or if you were to give an advice and or sitting outside and, and say, retailers, you are definitely trying to do the best job you can, but these are some of the, not the not as obvious, but basically some some issues that you may be living with, but you got to take, take some steps and, uh, you know, get better at what you do. Well, I think luckily uh, many of the steps have already been taken. Uh, I think one of the biggest uh, security steps that was taken post 9-11 uh, was the introduction of digital cameras. Um, and so most retailers have switched over from analog cameras to digital cameras. Uh, they now have their stores uh, uh, Wi-Fi compatible. They have them wired. They have satellite upload. Uh, they have the data analytics software in place. Uh, so in many ways, they, they have the power to do kinds of things that, that they just, I think, are a little afraid to do. Uh, and, and one case in point would be uh, face identification software. Uh, face identification software, very, very powerful tool. Many of the professional shoplifters, for example, the people who, who come into the store and just wipe them out, you know, take all 15 Armani suits and walk out the door, uh, these are the people that you know, really are causing a major problem for retailers. And, and many of them, they have on file. They have their fixers on file. They know exactly who they look like, where they are, uh, but when they just don't know when they enter the store. And so uh, if retailers could have the courage to take that next step, uh, but unfortunately uh, with Snowden and Julian Assange and WikiLeaks and the NSA and, and this world that we live in where the, the the country and the public is afraid of further intrusion into their private lives, uh, this is, I think, a deterrent. A lot of retailers are afraid to be another in intrusion into people's private lives, yet they do have that technology, and, and in many cases, they are testing it uh, with some uh, level of success. And so uh, you get off an, airport, an airplane in an international airport uh, anywhere around the world, face identification software is scanning your face uh, with very high levels of accuracy. Um, if you go into a casino, uh, very high levels of accuracy, it's being used by that industry. The retail industry, I think, is a little afraid to take that step and, and leverage the technology that they already have in place. And I think no. just, just to jump off on that, um, you know, and, and they can start small with the technologies that they have and then kind of ease into the face recognition, which I, I agree with you. I mean, it's stuff that we, you know, we encounter on, not daily, but, you know, regularly, like you said, if you travel, it's already at the airport. If you vacation and, and do, you know, do a little trip to a casino, People don't even realize that they're already, you know, susceptible to encountering this technology. Um, you know, the other thing that, we, that they don't realize is when they're coming into a store, you know, retailers are tracking exactly what you come in with, what's in your hand, and how many bags you're leaving with. You know, it's that, you know, that customer count technology just to see as you enter and leave the store and how many bags are in your hand as you enter and as you leave. You know, merging that with the EAS tags, merging that with face recognition, you know, once that integration comes in, it, it really does bring loss prevention efforts up to the next level. Yeah, so, Richard, if you work, customer counts are really important. Uh, that, that's that's one of the technologies that's that's right there. I want to just introduce one other uh, 
I guess, constituency that we've not talked about. And that's the smaller mom-and-pop retailers, you know, that really are, are suffering mightily as well. And unfortunately, they don't have the money uh, to fall back on a lot of these technologies, even though the prices come down. Um, so here you are in a strip mall. You've got two large retailers at each end of the strip mall. They've got high levels of, of security and technology. Uh, where does that push the criminals who come to that strip mall uh, who want to steal or um, may want to do nefarious activities, and it pushes them to the smaller retailers. And I've, I've talked to a number of them uh, over the years, and I've talked to a number of state retail associations, and, and they worry that, that the higher level of technology that's being used for security in the big box stores is unfortunately pushing the criminals in their direction and making their success uh, even more problematic. So uh, one final question that I have for both of you, if we were to look at the leadership within the organization and the kind of hiring we do within a retail organization, what is it that we have to do in terms of, and basically by, by leadership, the hiring of the right people as well as the training, what are the top two to three uh, sets of uh, advice that you would want to give? So starting with you, Dina. Um. Let's see. Well, obviously, you know, you want someone who's got their hand in loss prevention. I mean, you know, they want, you want someone with experience who knows what the technologies are that should be in place. If they're not in place, why are they not in place? You want to make sure that they can work with, um, you know, other team members. Like I said, getting that cross-functional team and being the leader of that cross-functional team, I think, is, you know, definitely an asset that you should look for in, in a CISO or even in a loss prevention manager, loss prevention director, um, even if it's on a regional basis, you know, even if it's not the leader of the whole group. Um, you know, obviously, you've got to have that background of security as well as IT. I think that that blend is really what makes you a successful loss prevention leader. That's, that's my take on it anyway. Richard, I'm not sure uh, if you agree or if you have other areas that you would, that you would share. No, I, I agree completely. But, you know, we, we also shouldn't forget the appreciation for, uh, uh, for policing and, and law enforcement. But that said, uh, you have to remember that 20, 30 years ago, loss prevention essentially uh, was a retirement uh, organization for retired uh, loss, uh, law enforcement officers, many of whom you know, had, had retired from the FBI or retired from policing, and they went into retail, and they did not have those those critical skills. They didn't understand merchandising. They didn't understand IT. Uh, they didn't understand many of, uh, of the uh, supply chain issues. Uh, and so they were just essentially becoming sort of the guard service for the, uh, for the retail store. That was a critical mistake, and retailers uh, have, have recovered from that. And now uh, what they're looking for is this renaissance person uh, who has all of these different skills uh, in, in, the, in the one individual and finding those people uh, is very, very difficult indeed. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, both Dean and Richard, for sharing your thoughts on how uh, organizations, retail organizations, can combat security challenges. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been a fun conversation. Thank you so much again. And listeners, uh, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, 
please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.